0: Shelton, it's so good to open up God's word together this morning. Today, as you might have noticed through the graphic up there, we are starting a new sermon series called Blank Check, A Generous Life. Now, when we hear the title of this new sermon series, it's easy to say, come on, Jen, now that Easter has coming gone, who says Easter has coming and gone? It's Jesus is still alive. But having said that, you might say, now that it's happened, what do you want from me? Generosity? What are you trying to get from me? Well, perhaps some of you have this sentiment or not. But I would answer if you're really asking that, more than me wanting anything from you, more than us wanting anything from you, let me up the ante's. God wants everything of you. He really does. If you really believe that Jesus Christ has come and died and given us everything we need in him, he has right to ask us everything. That's just sobering and yet a very worthy question that we must consider as a church. The theme of generosity, the Bible talks about it so much. The Bible considers generosity to be a deeply unselfish way of living, In all aspects of our lives. So we will explore that. Uh, We will talk about what does it mean to be really generous? What does it mean to really live a generous life from your heart? What does it look like to have a generous heart? We will talk about that. And also we will talk about throughout our series next six weeks, including this Sunday... We will talk about what it means to be generous with the financial resources, material possession God has given us. As far as money itself, Jesus and the Bible talk so much about it, more than hundred times, well over that. If you include all the possession material things, it's over a thousand times that the Scripture talks about. So we will address that. But generosity is not only that. We will also talk about what it means to be generous with our time. Why we all have different possessions, perhaps, we all have 24 hours per day. And what does it mean to be generous with the time that God has given us to each one of us? And also, what does it mean to be generous with your service? We all are called to serve. In a way, you are uniquely gifted in your own way that God has called you to serve, that you should utilize your gift. On the other side, at the same time, we all are called to pick up a trash as well. Husband, you cannot tell your wife, honey, I don't think God has gifted me in emptying out dishwasher. (laughs) You just can't do that. We all are called to serve one way or the other. The generosity is a pervasive theme in all aspects of our lives. So we will explore that together. So today, as we kick off our series, we will talk about generosity especially from the point of view of our heart. What does it mean to have a generous heart? Because from the heart flows out everything that you do. It's the radical generosity that we are talking about. Now, the word radical has been become recently a Christian jargon nowadays that people talk a lot about that. Uh, but it's primitive word, radix. It really means the deep down the root of it all. So really the heart of generosity is what flows out into all the aspects however it manifests in your life. So we wanna explore how your heart is today. How is your heart, Shelton? I want you to think about that, especially when it comes down to the theme of generosity. Generosity stems out of your heart and at the center of your heart, I pray it flows out with the theme of sacrifice. Knowing that we've given everything in Christ, so we flow out in giving. So three principles that we will explore today based on the passage that was just read in Luke chapter 18. First, the true generosity requires the humility of our heart. We will explore the reality of why the true generosity requires the humility of our heart. And second, we will explore that true generosity involves, as I said, all aspects of our life, in all areas of your life. And lastly, third, we will talk about why true generosity requires a new heart. Why it requires a new priority in your life. So let's explore these three characteristics of a generous heart together. So first, the true generosity requires humility of heart. Humble are in and proud are out. When you remember the first parable that we just read from 9 through 14, there are two main characters in this plot. One stands opposite on the another. One is well-respected, Pharisees, admired. And there's tax collector who's been loathed by many people at that time. And they too are standing at the opposite of social spectrum. They are standing together in front of this temple. When we think about tax collector, let me talk about what those people are like now. I believe tax due date was just this past Monday, right? I hope you filed a tax. If you didn't, I hope you filed an extension. I don't know how you feel about tax. For some of you, you might say, well, I don't like that I have to pay for it, but at least, you know, it's used for the road, used for the electricity, government used that, so I understand that I pay for it. On the other side, you might feel like, ugh, I don't like it at all. You're a little bit more passionate about it. One time, I was, in my previous church experience, visited one of a church member's house, because I spent some time, as a, like, hey, hey, what's your Wi-Fi password? Can I just use some of your Wi-Fi? And he just looks at me straight forward and says, Oh, Wi-Fi password? They're like, yeah, is it okay if I access your Wi-Fi? And he said, like, "Well, Jen, well, without a space, my Wi-Fi password is taxation is theft." And I'm like, well, I clearly know how you stand on that issue. I didn't say it. So even now, these taxes, some of you might have all different opinions. However, at this time of Jesus. It was actually far worse than you can imagine, how they were perceived by the society. At the time, Romans occupied this land of Israel, and tax collectors were actually Jewish people, not Roman, but their tax collectors are known as publican, which means they were like public contractor by Rome to take all the tax from Jewish people. But basically, this text worked like, almost like a war spoil. These Romans would collect as much as they want and send it back to their Rome. So they would charge almost like as much as they want. So first of all, it was a lot of money that they were requiring. And second, on top of that, it's not like they hired their own Romans to collect tax. They hired their own people, Jews, to collect tax. So if you're a people, oh, one of my kind came in, Demand all the money. I don't like that either. Why are you working for them, my enemy? Third, on top of that, let's say just hyperbole. Romans are required 100. And this guy would go, the middle tax collector would go, not charge 100, but he would charge 120. He needs to get a middle cut. 130, 140. So they're very greedy people, loathed by everybody. I would not like that either. That's who the tax collector is in this plot that Jesus gives as a parable. On the other side, there's Pharisees here, all right? If you've been around the church block for a while, you know kind of Pharisees are not necessarily most friendly or mostly liked name. It's not the best word. However, at that time it was just a little bit different because we know that Pharisees are not the best because Jesus constantly confronts them. At that time, actually, Pharisees were the one that was very admired by a lot of people. They were devout, they were religious, they were to keep the law. They, were very, they, were, they especially stood out because of their contemporaries who weren't quite devout. Or there's another group called, a religious group called the Sadducees. And these people were known for their love. For they were kind of more like Pharisees are a little bit middle, upper class, respected by everybody. Sadducees are much more like upper class, culturally, socially, religiously elite of all elite. But they didn't wasn't as devout, perhaps, as Pharisees. So a lot of people perceived Sadducees as the one, oh, they are just any for money. We don't like them. On top of that, we celebrated Easter. They did not even believe in the resurrection. They did not care. Sadducees were all despise the special. But Pharisees are like, wow, they are great. They are devout. They love the Lord and all. And when you look at verse 12, your Pharisees says, hey, I give one-tenth of what I got. I fast twice a week. They were generous financially. They were generous in their devotion, fasting, giving money worthy to be admired for what they do you think right yet who's the target that jesus said a case against here is it pharisee or tax collector it's certainly actually not a tax collector it's a pharisee what is happening here in this parable when you look at this plot verse 9 he says to some who are confident of their own righteousness and looked down everyone else jesus said this parable pharisees were so confident of their rightness righteousness and jesus says this pharisee stood by himself verse 11 and prayed when he says that pharisee stood by himself that actually it's more likely definition of what pharisee word means it's the greek word phariseos it means separated that's what pharisees were they always commentators all basically say the pharisees most likely separate themselves among the crowd and probably they would be the nearest one to the temple and say, everyone, notice me. I am praying, look at me. I am different than you. I am not like you. I am so much better than you. And it, literally, that's what he prays, right? God, I thank you that I am not like those other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterer, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give one-tenth of all I get. So Pharisee had kind a of superiority complex, right? Uh, by looking down on others, he's making himself feel better. And as they were generous externally, they were so proud of their action. I am so much better because I give, because I am devoted. Look at me. See, Pharisees were all concerned about their rightness, their distinguishing. They were like, I am different from any other people. They were glory-hungry people wanting all the recognition in the world. On the other side, there's a tax collector who's been loathed by everybody. What's happening with this guy? Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, meaning Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This tax collector on the other side, who knew that he's been loathed by everybody, had a humility that recognizing, God, I am greedy. I am broken. Have mercy on me. I am a sinner. What does Jesus say? That man is justified. That man is redeemed. That man knows. That man is what I treasure. Not the f- proud in his heart as they are being generous. So, in a sense, true generosity works almost similar way to salvation. Just like salvation required humility, knowing your brokenness and the need of Savior. A heart of ch- generosity also requires the brokenness and the h- humility. Humble are in, proud are out. Here, Pharisees are the ones that externally generous, but Jesus saying, "They are out. You may do all the externally right deeds, but your heart is a completely wrong place. So Chelton, check your heart today. How's your heart? Perhaps if you're externally generous like Pharisees today, is there deep down in your heart sometimes says, I am better because guess what? I showed up at the church today. I am so much better because I volunteer more time than any other people. I am better. Look at how much I give. If that's growing within you, Externally, your generosity might look exactly the same. If you give money or all that, you might volunteer time. But internally, Jesus is saying it's heaven and hell difference. Proud are out, humble are in. How is your heart? Do you really have a generous heart today, That You do good deeds, you do care for others, but you are not saying, I am so much better. God, I thank you that I'm not like those people who never show up who don't serve as much as I do, who don't give as much as I do. How do you know then if you have really a generous heart? One of the good indicators, one of the good diagnostic tools for you to check your heart is that if your heart is constantly comparing yourself with others, that's a good indicator that you don't have a generous heart. Whether it manifests in superiority complex or inferiority complex, your heart is constantly comparing, so busy thinking about how you are perceived. That means you are just caught up with your own glory, just like Pharisees, all caught up by their own image, right? Separated one. Notice me. Look at me. I am not like them. Let me be near where everyone can notice me. If you have a truly generous heart, you don't even care how others perceive you, how others see you. You don't even care whether somebody else is getting recognition or not. Pharisees cared a lot about that. They cared a lot about their image, their reputation. So when you have this really generous heart, first and foremost, it's not like, Chelton, you are careless of yourself, but you have that carefreeness of yourself. Because you know deep down at the core of your heart, you've given everything you need needing Christ Jesus that you don't play the game of comparison. I am better than them. Oh I mean I am so much worse than them. No, you kinda of have made peace with yourself, knowing that Jesus Christ has given you everything you need in him. So there is in a sense of joy, lightheartedness within you as you give yourself unto the Lord. So that's called humility of your heart. Are you so busy worrying about how others might see you today, at Shelton. We all have that, right? We all care about how I'm perceived. And we all have this little bit of superiority complex. Oh, I am so much better because I do this, I do that. What is it? Here, Jesus is not praising Pharisees, but he's recognizing tax collector who is humble and repentant. So all generosity series that we are about to talk about it flows out of the humility of heart. Do you realize that you might do everything right externally, But internally, you can be completely lost. Do you have a generous heart first and foremost? Think about it. So second, first, true generosity requires the humility of heart. Second, true generosity involves all aspects of life. It involves all. What do I mean by that? When you look at the next story that Jesus says, it's a simple story. Children are trying to come to Jesus, but disciples block them. Don't come to them. Uh, When you, this story is here and as well, as in Matthew account and Mark account as well. And in both Matthew and Mark, this story and the one comes right after about rich young ruler comes together. So we can at least assume these are chronological or immediately following, who knows, but these are same block of event, basically, these are put together. But when you look at the following stories, when the rich young ruler approaches Jesus, disciple does not stop them at all. They just come right away. But when the children try to approach Jesus, the disciples are like, nah, don't let them come to Jesus. Why are they doing that? When you look at the first parable, Pharisees are very generous in their money, in their devotion, but they are very ungenerous toward tax collector. People who he despised. Disciples here, they were very generous with their time. Disciples are the only who left everything really to follow Jesus. They gave it all. But they were just as ungenerous to children, just like Pharisees were. The tax collector. Why are disciples doing that? They certainly didn't do that. Whom they consider to be prestigious. When the ruler, rich ruler comes, disciples don't say anything. They just carefully observe and make some observation in the end. But when children try to approach Jesus, they say, meh, you're not as important. You're inconsequential. Don't come to Jesus. Jesus, you're too important for these people. You may be very one generous in one aspect of your life, whether it be time, whether it be money, but if you're not generous on the another, you, need to, you and I both need to check our heart because in a sense, disciples are caught up in the calculation of importance. Who's prestigious? Who's more important? Ah, uh, not them children. But Jesus, the generous heart of Jesus welcomes all children, right? Jesus started on the conference and said, but don't you dare to do that. Bring them to me. I care about them just as much. They're first in my kingdom. Have a childlike faith. Jesus' heart of generosity is very different from the, the heart of discipleship. In other words, both Pharisees and disciples showed only selective and partial generosity whatever fits their agenda the most. They are only generous, but when the agenda doesn't match that, they discard and they become very ungenerous toward the tax collector, toward children. So, children, if your generosity is truly flowing from your heart, it will be pervasive. You will not have selective generosity, only one, this, or that. What God has called us together Is holistic generosity from a changed heart, not selective or calculated generosity based on what benefits you the most. Jesus, you are too important. I want to hoard your leadership influence. Don't you dare to talk to children. I want you for my glory. Talk to these important rich people. Don't talk to children. So in the end, that's not really giving. That's only glory taking. I want to hoard all that for myself, for my glory. And calculated generosity is only quasi-generosity in the end. You're only serving yourself. But Chelton, you may very well be perhaps generous with your money. But at the same time, you may be very controlling, stingy. You're not generous in relationship. Why is that? Your generosity of finance, perhaps. And maybe you're on a checking-off box. God, I'm generous here. But why are you not generous with your heart? On the other side, some of you are very, maybe very generous with your time, but you are very stingy in the way that you spend your financial resource for the glory of God. Why? Because we all have an agenda that we want to fulfill. We only want partial generosity. I've done that. But if a true generosity flows out of heart, then that generosity mindset will be pervasive in all aspects of your life. In a way that you serve others, In a way that you give the possession God has given you, in a way that you care for one another in relationship. You don't think about who's most important like disciples did perhaps. But you welcome all people because a changed heart, a generous heart, generous heart is pervasive in its manifestation. It bleeds into every single aspect of our lives. So in a sense, we are offering a blank check before the Lord, right? We are not just saying blank check financial. We are saying blank check of your life. God, take my life and let it be. This is really life that you have given us. Every single breath I have, I don't own it. You are the one who given it. So let every single breath not be wasted, but use it for the glory of yours. Is that our heart attitude today? There's no such thing as partial generosity. It requires everything of you. If you really believe what happened last week, Chelton, this is what Pastor Eugene Cho says. If we truly believe that Christ has risen, we must then ask, how then shall we live? If we truly believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you believe that the gospel matters not just for your personal salvation and blessing, but also for God's pursuit of restoration, redemption, and reconciliation of all world. A gospel not only saves, but also serves. This gospel is not just for us. The gospel is good news for all. The gospel that not only saves, but also serves. Are you generous? Do you know generous God who has given us everything? He costed him everything to redeem us, and he's asking everything of us to give it to all people. Why are we not like that often? This is a lofty calling, isn't it? I'm like, oh, God, I think I'm generous in this area, but this area, I'm not so sure. Why am I only partially generous, not generous in a holistic way? Oftentimes, because you think that one thing is the right thing to do, you're only looking at them from each perspective rather than really looking at the front point of view of heart. So lastly, true generosity demands a new heart because it flows out of that, a new priority. So let's take a look at what does it look like to really, how can you have this new heart? Because you cannot possibly manufacture that. Jin, change my heart, change my heart, change my heart. It doesn't quite work that way. How do you have a new heart before the Lord? That's a worthy question we must ask. When you look at this last story, this ruler approaches him. I, by the way, if I flip-flop, in Matthew and Mark on an account, they call it rich young ruler. Here, they just call it ruler. It's the same person. But, so I might say rich young ruler, ruler. I'm talking about same person here. This person, ruler, has a kind of same attitude. Like Pharisee, right? God, how do I inherit eternal life? I've done this. I haven't killed anybody. I honored my parents. Da, 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 da. So I am fine. I have done all this since I was a little boy. So I'm doing right, right? But what does Jesus say? I was like, well, not quite. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, is Jesus preaching a poverty gospel here? Meaning, he asked, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, sell everything, give it to the poor. So it's Jesus saying, in order to be saved, you must give all your possessions. You are not allowed to have a saving account. If you have a single dollar saved, you are not saved. Is that what Jesus is saying in this account? No, it cannot possibly be. How do I know that? Like, when you go to John 3 and 4, there's another couple famous incident. are Nicodemus and John 3 and woman at the well, John 4 approaches Jesus. Nicodemus asks the question, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus doesn't basically tell him, hey, you must sell everything you've got, give it to poor. But Jesus says, no, you must be born again that's what Jesus answered John 4 Jesus encounters this woman at the Samaritan and then Jesus says hey how do you want if you drink this living water you will never thirst again you will have eternal life and woman says I want that give me the water does Jesus say then all of a sudden now sell everything you've got to the poor then you can drink this eternal water is that what Jesus says in John 4 no Jesus says hey bring your husband and she says actually I don't have a husband and Jesus said, well, but you had a five husbands before, right? What is Jesus trying to address there? Jesus is addressing her deepest, the deepest commitment of her heart. Here, for this rich young ruler, he said, I've done all this. Well, let's talk about first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. You've done all that, but you put so much your stock, so much your depth of your heart and your money. That's why I became so sad. So to this woman at door Jesus doesn't say sell everything you've got, but you put way too much stock in your romance life. You had five husbands. You are one of those who desperately hold on to the romantic love. I must have it at all costs. Jesus is dressing. That's not gonna cut it. If you want to come to me, come all the way. Do you get that, Shelton? We all are looking for something for hope. For this ruler, rich young ruler he's done everything he was only partially generous but he must have to hold on to his wealth he couldn't give up on it and jesus is saying no sell everything is am i your priority disciples and people who's looking at it they said jesus but i left everything to follow you and jesus is saying no but leave everything come i must be your priority at all costs that's how you come to me if you're going to come to me don't come partially christianity is not quasi in whether you're all in or out look warm will be spit it out in the end Shelton. but oftentimes we are kind of come quasi halfway jesus you are my lord in this part of my life but you are not my lord in the other part in my possession in my romantic life in my time i'm the lord of it all you don't say that but you assume that often But Jesus is saying, if you want to come to me, come all the way, sell everything, take care of it, because your heart is looking for money, for meaning, for this rich young ruler. So today, children, if you find the meaning of life through money, you won't be able to be financially generous, because you must hoard it. If you find the meaning of life through your reputation, you may be generous with your money, because that's not what you care about the most. But as you give, you will seek all the glory to yourself. Notice me. Recognize me. That's what Pharisees did, right? They weren't necessarily the most money-hungry. They were giving faithfully. But they are saying, notice me. I am not like other people. Only cut in superiority complex. If you only find meaning of life by being right, you must be right at all kinds. I must be righteous. Right at all costs then you won't be able to be generous toward those who might hold a different political view than you are. Because you must be right at all costs. You may be very generous financially. You may be very generous with your time. But you just get mad at those who disagree with you. Why? Because you must be right at all costs. So you are generous only partially, but you are not generous in relationship. You are not generous in disagreement. Whatever you tap the meaning of life, I must have it at all costs. That has hold over you. That's why Jesus is addressing this woman. Hey, where's your husband? We need to address that. To this young ruler, hey, where's your money? We need to talk about this. What is the one that you desperately feel like, God, I must have it. And you say, God, I thank you that I hold this position. I'm so much better than those people who disagree with me. They don't know any better. God, I thank you that I am not like them. What are those in your life? The ironic thing about that, Chilton, if money is that, you think it will satisfy you, right? If that be a romantic life, you think that will satisfy right? No, you only want it more. The well of discontentment never satisfies you. You only want it more if you get it. But when you truly realize that, so do you see that you cannot just possibly pull yourself up by bootstrap by saying, I'll be generous here, I'll be generous there. No, it all stems from your heart. And Jesus is saying, how is your heart today? The children, true generosity, first and foremost, requires humility of heart. God, I'm not as generous as I ought to be. People think differently than I do. I'm not as generous as I ought to be. To people who don't really give their time to church god i'm not as generous as i ought to be people who are stingy financially why am i like that why am i so mad at people who live a little bit differently than i do while you lived very differently than how jesus christ would have lived but he was generous towards you literally to death so that we can have everything in jesus christ christ if you truly believe in death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he calls us for the radical generosity, that root of generosity, your heart changed before him today. So how is your heart? What area of your life are you stingy? You desperately hold on to it. I must be right. I must have money. I must have beauty. Would you even be generous in that? Because you know your priority in a new heart is fixated on Jesus. It's okay to give there is flourishing in giving your life away that's what god calls us to do today perhaps uh, you don't know where to begin where to begin in this regard generosity begins with the humility of your heart knowing that you are in desperate need of savior need of a new heart and when you begin to rest your heart at the foot of the cross now you have a power to be radically generous Because you know the generous God who has given us everything. Shelton, will you look to Jesus today in a way that you live your life, how you spend your time and money? We will explore them more throughout the series next six weeks, how that actually manifests in your life. But today, if your heart says, God, I thank you that I am not like them. God, I thank you that a little bit of insight, I'm a little better, I'm smarter. I'm cooler. I'm more accepted. I'm sharper than others. Will you humble yourself before the Lord? And will you really be generous even the area that, whether it be money, whether it be time, relationship, whether it be in disagreement, whether in forgiveness? Because our generous God has given us everything. Our changed heart can also be radically generous in all that we do. Let's pray together. Uh, God, we... Uh, barely touch the surface of what true generosity is all about but god we confess often our hearts are proud like this pharisee's were. god look at me i'm doing this and that god will you humble us like this tax collectors who knew his own brokenness who knew his own greediness And God, you said this man is justified, not Pharisees. And God, may the generosity of you shown at the cross be very pervasive in all aspects of our lives. God, we confess we have been only generous in one area, but another area we have been stingy. Will you convict us and reveal to us what that area is that we have not been the most generous? This is a miracle. Heart change only comes from you, God. So God, we look to you. We look to the cross. Easter is never over. Holy week, what you have done. May our hearts sit in that reality. And oh Lord, as we sit in that, as you have given us everything in Christ Jesus, help us to be the tool of generosity to the world. That As we go, we bless one another. We serve one another. We lay down one another for the flourishing of your gospel for the expansion of your fame. So will you make us generous people of God? Oh God, we pray that you give us new heart in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.